God is doing a new thing. Man, we ought to just play that song at the end of service because it was, it's an amazing, it talks about God doing a new thing in you and in our midst and in our hearts and in our lives. And how many of you are ready for God to do something new? God is doing a new thing. So he's doing a new thing right here in this room. Are you excited to learn about what that's going to be? Over the next few weeks, you're going to start to see it. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, speaking of a new thing, speaking of a new thing, Jessica Isbell is going to bring us a new word this morning, this, uh, this morning, tonight. This is her very first time being behind this pulpit, bringing a, a word. She's worked so hard And she has prepared a message that is on time for this moment. Are you in agreement with that? Hallelujah. And so she's going to be a little nervous. But we're used to that, right? We're Hey, I remember the first time I stepped up and started to give a message and it was bad. Like podcast, no, no, we're not doing that on the podcast. That was bad. So she's going to be a lot better than I was because she's had a lot of time to prepare. Amen? And uh, her heart is right, and she's been uh, working herself to this moment for several years, right? Rama graduate, went through all the classes, got her diploma, and uh, I don't know how much her diploma is going to help her not be nervous, but uh, we're going to give her a good um, um, atmosphere to bring us a word tonight. Amen? So, Jessica, come right on up. Welcome to Dive. All right. So I just want to start by saying thank you to Pastor Alan and Pastor Michelle for this opportunity. Um, a lot of you guys know that we're doing internship with the church. Um, when I was asked to, uh, if I wanted to do this internship, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Um, I saw the year before Austin and Kaylee, they were doing the internship and they had to do this. And I was like, this alone scared me enough not to do the internship, okay? And so, and then one Sunday, I was sitting here, and Pastor Allen was preaching, and he was saying something along the lines of, a lot of people don't accomplish the will of God or don't step into their potential because they are scared. And so when I was sitting there and he said that, I just, it clicked in me. I was like, it's the internship, I'm terrified But I was scared more of not accomplishing God's will, you know, than standing here and talking in front of you guys. So after the service, I went up to them and I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the internship. Um, But even then, we were doing the internship, and throughout the whole thing, I was ready to quit. I was telling Anne, I was like, I'm quitting, I'm done, no. But every time, they helped me out and encouraged me and helped me keep going. Um, and so when we were choosing when to speak, I chose the last one because I was like, I'm going to, girl, you know, maybe it won't happen, you know, something's going to happen, I don't know. But, <laughs> but here I am, today has come, and I am nervous, so if you guys see my hands shaking or something, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm also excited because, you know, I did it, here I am. Um, So yeah, so for those of you that like titles, the title of today's message is God of Possible. 
Um, and so I wanted to uh, open our Bibles to Luke 18, 27, and I'm going to be reading it in Passion Translation. Let me know when you guys get there. All right. Uh, Luke 18, 27. So, Jesus responded, What appears humanly impossible is more than possible with God, for God can do what man cannot. So, he's saying here that a lot of times we look at situations or um, with our human eyes, right, and we see that the doctor told us that we only have a year to live and there's nothing they can do for us. And we can choose to either go with what they told us and say we have a year to live and do whatever we want to do for that year, or we can choose to look through, uh, on that situation through God's eyes. And through God's eyes, it is nothing impossible for him. So uh, whatever the doctor said doesn't mean that it is true, right? Because um, the healing is for today, and we were healed, so past tense, right? right. Um, so whatever the situation is, we need to look through it through God's eyes and our, our eyes. Um, so um, the way we do that is look at God's word, right? So who knows that the word is 100% true, right? right? So, but there are people that think that 50% of the Bible is true and 50 is not because they choose and pick which verses they want to believe. Right. Um, so if this verse tells me that I'm going to have my barns filled with plenty and my vets overflow, I like that, right? I get a lot of good stuff. So a lot of people decide to choose that that one is true because I get something out of it. But the verses where it says that you have to do something in order to get that, right, or you have to believe or just something that they don't feel comfortable with or they don't like it or it's too hard, they choose to say that that is not true. You know, Jesus was just talking. He didn't mean that. He was just making an example. Um, And when they do that, essentially what they do is call God a liar. And I don't want to call God a liar. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. Um, And it took me a long time to get here as well. You know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home or anything like that. Um, We did have people come over to our school and they talk about God, but I always just, I don't know, it just felt a little more like cultish to me, I guess. So it was kind of hard to believe and receive what they had to say just because, you know, it just kind of looked like a cult a little bit. But even then, I was still fearing of God, right? So even then, I was like, okay, but what if it is true and God is real? So I was scared, uh, essentially, right? And so I still prayed every night just in case he's real. I'm going to pray and I'm going to be ready for that, right? Um, So I don't know how much of that I believe that just did the usual prayer, you know, um, at night. I remember somebody told us that if you pray, you have to be like, (laughs) you have to pray and be done talking for that night. And I remember we're at camp and we're like, okay, let's pray. And we'll pray. And then we'll like be silenced trying to go to sleep. But then somebody would say something and we're like, I have to pray again. And so we would do it and do it until we stopped talking. I don't know where we got that, but we got that somewhere, right? Because we weren't looking in the word. We were just hearing what people said about it, right? And so we had to um, get into the word for ourselves 
and not just read it, because it is hard sometimes. I would read it, and I was like, I have no idea what it said, right? And then I kind of a little bit was let down also sometimes, because you will see Pastor Alan or Pastor Michelle stand here, and they would read the same scripture I just read, and they had this whole revelation about it, and they have all these things they just got from it, and I'm like, we just read the same thing. I didn't get none of that. <laughs> I was like, where'd you get that, right? Um, so yeah, so, but with time, the more you study, the more you um, understand God's word. And every time you read the same scripture, you're not necessarily going to get the same thing out of it, right? Because um, the scripture is going to, the verse is going to be for your specific time. So if you need healing, then it's going to have that for you right in there. Um, so we just need to go ahead, stop calling God a liar, and believe the whole word, um, and study it for ourselves. All right, so... Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Mark eleven twenty three. So, um, and I'm going to be reading it in the Passion Translation again. Uh, all right. So it says, "Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea, and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done." So here it is. He's saying, listen to the truth I speak to you, right? Yeah. So he's already saying that is truth. And um, so he's, uh, in our human eyes, again, if we look at this mountain, it looks impossible for it to move, right? Um, so if we look through our eyes, we can't move that mountain on our own. But in here, it says that it is the truth. So if you believe it without any doubt, that this mountain is going to move, and you have to speak to your mountain too, um, that it will move, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I wanted to um, share this story. It's from a movie. It's called Little Boy. And so in this movie, there was a family, uh, mother, father, and two brothers, right? And so the younger brother was very close to his father. He loved his dad. Um, they did everything together. And then one day, dad had to go to war, And so uh, this little boy was devastated, um, so upset, you know, like he loves his dad and he's scared for his father. And then he goes to church one day and he hears Mark 11, 23, right? So he hears that and he's like, okay, well, if God can move a mountain, then he can bring my father back, right? But his older brother was not like that. He was like, he's gone. You have to just let it go. He's not going to come back from the war. It's too brutal, whatever, you know. He wasn't trained. He wasn't in the military. He was just fooled. So his brother gave up on his dad right away, right? But this little boy was like, but it says that God can move a mountain. So if he can move the mountain, then he's going to bring our father back, right? So this little boy went with the scripture in his heart. And then one day his older brother just lost it. And he was like, fine then. If you believe that he's going to move this mountain, then move the mountain, right? And so he uh, took this boy on a pier. He pointed at a mountain and said, move it. Right? And so this boy had two choices. Look at it through our eyes and say, mm, okay, maybe I'll just say if, well, if a pastor says for this mountain to move, then it'll move. Or it has to happen on a Sunday, right? He was going to like, he could have given excuses or just ran off because if you look through our eyes, the mountain's not going to move, right? But instead, what he chose to do is like he believed. He believed without a doubt in his heart that that mountain's going to move. So he went on that pier, and the whole town gathered around because they were making this whole scene, right? 
So he's on that pier standing there and he's looking at this mountain and he's focused on the mountain and everybody's just like laughing at him, you know, and hours went by. So this boy also could have just chosen to like, okay, an hour passed by, this mountain's not moving, I'm going to go take my losses, whatever, right? But this boy chose to stay there. He knew that this mountain's going to move. No matter how long it's going to take, it's going to move, right? So this boy stood there. And then out of nowhere, the whole earth shook. The earth shook and the mountain moved, right? And so, like, the whole town was in shock. And they were just, like, excited, you know, and they were just throwing this boy around. But this boy was like, that's what I said is going to happen. He wasn't shocked because I said it's going to happen, and it happened, you know. So he believed it, and he did not doubt God's word. And it moved. So there was another story, Pastor Hagen was saying it uh, at Rhema when we were there. He was saying that this little boy came for a prayer. They, were, they had a prayer line, and he came down because um, he couldn't hear. And so he came down for the prayer line so somebody could pray for him um, so he could hear, right? And so I can't remember if it was Pastor Hagen or not, but he called the kids down to pray for this child, right? So he was like, we're going to have the kids pray for him. And so the kids came down. Um, laid hands on this boy, prayed for him, and went back to their seats, right? And so this boy, out of nowhere, is like, I can hear. He started hearing everything. And this, like, happened. This is, like, true story, right? And so this boy could hear, and, like, all the adults were jumping up and down. They're excited, and the kids were sitting there, like. And so the adults were like, okay, well, guys, did you not hear? He can hear. And the kids were like, well, yeah, isn't that what's supposed to happen? <laughs> I was like, why are you excited? That's exactly what we went there for, and that's what happened, right? So we need to have childlike faith sometimes. Um, And um, our faith, uh, we need to have, like when it's talking about small faith or big faith, right, whatever, it's talking about the endurance of it. So if you have faith for like an hour or five minutes, whatever it is, but then later on you just give up and it doesn't happen, at your timing, it doesn't happen at your timing, right, um, then you eventually go and call God a liar because it didn't happen when you wanted it to happen. Right. But God has his perfect timing every time. He could be waiting. He could be working on somebody. Somebody could have uh, been asking him questions on, like, are you real or show me something that you're real, right? And he could be working on that person to be there when he does your miracle so they can witness that too. Because he could be working on somebody else, and it might not be your timing, but it's always a perfect timing. Yeah. So we need to remember that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. So we all know the story about David and Goliath, right? So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to First Samuel 17. I'm not going to read the whole story, but some. And we're going to go starting in verse 31. All right. So we know David was bringing food to his brothers. Um, he saw Goliath. Everybody was scared of him, right? Um, and essentially Goliath was shaming them and the, uh, God, right? Because he was like, you guys can't do anything. And David did not like that, right? Yeah. Um, so we're going to start in First Samuel 17, 31. Some men heard David talking. They took David to Saul and told what David had said. 
David said to Saul, People shouldn't let Goliath discourage them. I am your servant. I will go fight the Philistines. Saul answered, You can't go out and fight against the Philistines. You're not even a soldier. Goliath has been fighting in a war since he was a boy. But David said to Saul, There were times I was taking care of my father's sheep, that wild animals came to take the sheep away from the flock. Once there was a lion and another time a bear. I chased that wild animal, attacked it, and took the sheep from its mouth. The wild animal jumped on me, but I caught it by the fur under its mouth. And I hit it and killed it. I killed both, a lion and a bear like that. And I will kill that foreigner Goliath, just like, just like them. Yeah. Goliath will die because he made fun of the army of the living God. The Lord saved me from the lion and the bear. He will also save me from the Philistines. Saul said to David, Go, go and may the Lord be with you. Saul put his um, own clothes on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and armor on his body. David put on a sword and tried to walk around. He tried to wear Saul's uniform, but David was not used to all of those heavy things. David said to Saul, I can't find in, uh, fight in these things. I'm not used to them. So David took them all off. He took his walking stick in his hand and went to find five smooth stones uh, from the stream. He put the five stones in his shepherd's bag and held his sling in his hand. Then he went out to meet the Philistines. So when David stepped on that field, before he decided he was going to fight Goliath, he saw how big Goliath was, right? Um, he, uh, he was nine feet tall, and everybody was scared of him, right? So uh, he could have made the choice to, like, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just here to bring this food, and I'm going to go and let them figure it out, right? But he wasn't scared. To, from right away when he saw Goliath, he wasn't scared of him, right? He was just more of, like, mad that he was talking bad about his God, um, and so he was like, I'm going to do it then. And he's like a kid, right? Um, and Goliath is nine feet tall. He's been fighting in a war his whole life. David was just watching sheep, right? <laughs> he wasn't a fighter or anything. All right, so continue reading. The Philistines slowly walked closer and closer to David. Um, oh, wait. Yes. Um, closer and closer to David. Goliath's helper walked in front of him carrying a large shield. Goliath looked at David with disgust. He saw that David was only a handsome, healthy boy. Goliath said to David, What is that stick for? Did you come to chase me away like a dog? Then Goliath used the names of his gods to say curses against David. And I guess it didn't work because his gods weren't real, huh? Um, <laughs> he said to David, <laughs> um, Come here and I'll feed your body to the birds and wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come to me using sword, spear, and javelin? Um, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, all-powerful, the God of the armies of Israel. You have said bad things about him. Today the Lord would let me defeat you. I will kill you. I will cut off your head and feed your body to the birds and wild animals. And we will do the, uh, the same things to all the Philistines too. Then all the world will know there is God in Israel. All the people gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't need swords or uh, spears to save people. The battle belongs to the Lord, and he will help us defeat all of you. Goliath and Philistine started to attack David. He slowly walked closer and closer to, towards David, but David ran out to meet Goliath. So it looks like 
Goliath was trying to intimidate him again. He was started walking closer to him, thinking maybe I'll intimidate him. You know, he see me coming, and he will change his mind and run off. But, uh, but David looked at him, and he's like, nope. And he started running towards him, right? He was like, this got to happen faster, dude. You got to walk faster, right? <laughs> um, so David took out a stone from his, uh, from his bag. He put, put it in his sling and swung the sling. The stone flew from the sling and hit Goliath right between the eyes. The stone sank deep into his head, and Goliath fell to the ground face down. So David defeated the Philistines with only a sling and one stone. He hit the Philistines and killed them. David didn't have a sword, so he ran out, stood beside the Philistine. Then David took the Goliath's own sword out of his sheath and used it to cut off his head. This is how David killed the Philistine. When the other Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned around and ran. So Goliath, the whole time, trying to intimidate him and show him that he's only just a little kid, right? Um, he doesn't fight in a war. He has, you know, like he should just go away, you know, like just kid, go live your life. Leave this to the big guys, right? But David chose to look at this through God's eyes. And he was like, I'm not scared of you because I know you might be nine feet tall, but my God is bigger. Yes. My God is stronger and he is on my side. Yeah. So he had no chance from the beginning, right? right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we need to start looking at our situation through God's eyes. And sometimes we have things that come against us, you know, um, big or small. So sometimes... Um, we think that my problem is not big enough for God. So I, it looks like I can solve it on my own. It's possible, you know, I can get a third job if I have to, to pay for this bill or whatever it is. And sure, some things we can solve on our own, but we might be miserable the whole time. Yeah. You know, who wants to work three jobs just to pay rent and do absolutely nothing? God wants us to have everything that our heart desires. And if we just lay everything on God, he just wants us to have a, he wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants us to have everything. So if we just give it to God, then we don't have to be miserable. Everything will be paid, um, you know, and we don't have to be miserable. Um, So like what I did wrong here, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Um, So... You guys know I work at the shelter, and so I decided to sign up on Rover to dog sit as well, just to make some extra money. I love dogs, so it's like not even a job, right? (laughs) Um, So my first clients had a big dog and a small dog. And the smaller dog was kind of nervous and scared from the beginning, you know. They kind of get more attached to their owners a little bit more, right? And so... It was pouring the night before. It was horrible. The yard was a mess. But I let the dogs outside to go potty. And then I opened the door. The big dogs, my dogs, and the, somebody else's dog ran inside. But the small dog was standing there. And she was scared. So what I had to, I just left everything in the house. I didn't think anything about it, right? I just walked outside to grab this dog and just scare her inside. But the door locked behind me. It never, it never done that before, so I didn't think anything of it, right? I didn't even have my shoes on, like nothing. And so what I had to do, I just grabbed this dog, and I ran through this muddy yard to Kaylee's house. 
to see if she can help me out. I don't have a spare key or anything. I just moved a few months ago. That's like the last thing on my mind, right? To uh, make a spare key. So I go there. Kaylee's not home. Natalie's blasting her music. She can't hear me. I'm banging on that door. She can't hear me. But Kaylee finally pulls in, right? So I grab the phone and I call Pastor Allen. And I was like, hey, I just locked the door and, you know, my dogs are my babies. I'm freaking out. I was like, they're by themselves at home. What are they going to do? I'm scared. You know, I'm freaking out. I called Pastor Allen and I was like, my door locked. And he was like, well, we just sat down to eat at a restaurant. He was like, uh, once we're done, I will come help you open the door, right? But I'm like, mm-mm, that's too long. I was like, okay, I hang up. And I was like, I have to do this on my own. You know, and nowhere in my mind is like, talk to God. Mm-mm, I'm trying to solve this on my own, right? Yeah. And so I'm trying to be like a spy from the movies, and I get a card from Kaylee, right? And I'm trying to like <laughs> swing it, like, you know, trying to open the door. And it won't even go through that thing. It's like shut. And I've been like, pulling and twisting the knob and you know I've been trying to do everything nothing and then out of nowhere I twist it one more time and the door opens and I'm like okay so you know I grab my phone and I call Pastor Allen it's like never mind the door opened he's like oh how'd you do it and I was like I don't know I'm just a professional you know (laughs) I opened the door (laughs) I was like I saved the day thank you um, and so next day, I don't think anything of it, right? Next day, I tell Anna, I was like, yeah, my door locked, you know, telling the story. And she goes, yeah, I was with Pastor Allen eating. And she goes, he was praying for our meal, and he just said, God, open Jessica's door. <laughs> That's all it took, right? That's all it took, but in my, like, I went nowhere next to God, right? I was like, That's just a problem I can solve on my own. This happens to everybody, you know, you can call somebody and those people come and unlock your doors all the time, right? Nowhere. All he had to do is like, God, just open Jessica's door. I'm sure he was like, I want to drive all the way there. God, open the door. (laughs) But um, we think that it's not important to God. I was like, that just something happens, you know, we can solve it on our own and it doesn't matter to God, you know, like it will get open eventually. But it matters to him, right? Small or big, it matters to him. Um, and so we, we need to get used to going to God first for anything. Because um, the word is true, yeah. right? We found out that. So you, um, we were seeing that somewhere, that 1,800 um, prophecies yes. came true from the Bible, yes. right? And that's not just like one or two that like just kind of... You know, God got lucky and it came to pass. 1,800. That's a lot. lot. And some takes years to come, right? Like, um, you can get a vision or a dream or whatever it will be of God telling you what's going to come, right? And then years go by or something and you just forget about it and you give up. I was like, maybe I just, it was me. I made that up. Um, But, like, again... It comes on perfect timing. And sometimes it takes years for that to come to pass, right? With Joseph the dreamer, as they called him, it took years for his dream to come true. But the whole time through uh, him being sold to go to prison, to all of that, he never gave up on that dream because he knew that it came from God, and God is not a liar, so it's going to come to pass. He did not give up on God, not for a second, and it did, right? 
So yeah, um, I just wanted to make sure that um, we get into the word, um, study it for ourselves, um, and get used to going to God first before trying to solve it on our own. Because um, he cares, yeah. right? Yeah.